With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts. This is episode 54. I am Derek, one of your regular hosts, and I've got my two other uh, interim, interim hosts, interim hosts uh, Ray Hello. and Zach. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, they have been journeying with me for the last several weeks for a while now, and we are going through the Short Treks episodes that have been airing month. Uh, once a month on CBS All Access. So tonight we'll be talking about episode three, The Brightest Star, also known as the Saru episode. Uh, before we do that, we'll be talking a little bit about some Star Trek news. We've got a couple of Twitter polls we want to go over. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about what to expect from a scheduling perspective moving into 2019. So, okay, Star Trek news. So as we know, there's a Picard series coming down the pipe. Um, it has been confirmed that the target for the show is to premiere at the end of 2019, which means we are maybe less than a year away from actually seeing the Picard series. Um, that should mean we're definitely less than a year away from at least seeing like photos, right? a logo, <laughs> maybe even a trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, hopefully by the summer at latest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just like to know like what it's going to be called. At yeah. this point. Yeah. You know, we're calling it the Picard series, and they could just call it Picard. I don't yeah. think anybody would complain. Mr. Picard's Neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Um, so there was a little bit of news that came out uh, after that confirmation of the 2019 Target. Um, and this was with uh, Kurtzman, who is, you know, he's an executive producer on Discovery. He's actually helped write some of the episodes, including the short tracks, and he's helming uh, the Picard series as well. He's kind of. Um, one of the, one of the figureheads of Star Trek right now on CBS. So he was talking about what the Picard show was going to be like. And he said, quote, it's an extremely different rhythm than discovery. Discovery is a bullet. Picard is a very contemplative show. It will find a balance between the speed of discovery and the nature of what next gen was, but I believe it will have its own rhythm. Um, And he goes on to saying a few other things, quote, without revealing too much about it, people who have so many questions about Picard and what happened to him and the idea we get to take time to answer those questions in the wake of the many, many things he's had to deal with in Next Gen is really exciting. More grounded is not the right way to put it because season two of Discovery is also grounded. It will feel more real world if that's the right way to put it. So... We are going to get a lot of answers, I think, yeah. of what happened to Picard, where he ended up in the, really the time frame from the uh, All Good Things future timeline. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Zach, I'm curious, does that sound good to you? Does that sound promising? 
Yeah, yeah, I am completely on board with this. I think we were even speaking uh, a number of weeks ago, or months ago, rather, when we caught up that it was going to be a thing that, I mean, I was kind of hoping for something a little bit more thoughtful, um, character-driven, perhaps. Um, I, I mean, it'd be nice to see some action, but I'm totally okay with it just being, you know, more uh, real-world. And I think uh, <clears throat> Picard's a fantastic... You know, John Luke Picard uh, is played by Patrick Stewart, who's a fantastic actor, and he is... Um, I don't know. He's very socially active, and I, I imagine there'll be some degree of social commentary. Uh, Trek's always had that, and yeah, I just I, I think it's it's a good time for a leader like Picard to be on the small screen again. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ray. Any thoughts from your end? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm eager to see it, but I'm still waiting for more. Yeah. So that's all. Absolutely. Um, you know, the way Kurtzman says it, maybe it sounds like maybe the title, either the working title is Picard or maybe they're just going to settle with that because it's what people know it as at this point. Right. And maybe picking a different title may just be semantics. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you, Zach. I want to see something that focuses on the spirit of next gen, which was the contemplative, the philosophical, the moral, the ethical, um, the political, those types of things. We don't need... We don't. As much as I love First Contact and Insurrection, and I like the action Picard. Yeah. We I, we don't need that. Mm-hmm. Thirty years in the future. No. You know. No. And I am hoping that the other characters do show up in some way. Yes, that would be nice to have some cameos. You know, it doesn't have to be over the top or yeah. all at once. Right. I mean, it could be one one per episode. Like you've got the Picard show, and every episode, it you know someone else shows up. You know, Voyager did it well. You know, you had uh, Captain LaForge show up on the Challenger in one episode. Yeah, yeah. Riker shows up uh, on the Q and the Gray and you mm-hmm. know, things like that. So you can do it. It can be done. Yeah. It's just a matter of doing it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. I, tr- I trust them to make those decisions. Now, um, a topic that I think, Ray, maybe you'll have a little more to add to <laughs> is we got a new trailer for Season 2 of Discovery. So this is... The final trailer we'll get as we... Except I didn't watch it, so... <laughs> oh, you didn't watch it. You just no. tweeted about it, so I thought you had watched it. No, so. no. I tweeted about young Spock. Yeah. Well, he's he's shown a lot more right. in this trailer, yeah. so... Okay, I apologize for putting you on the spot then. No, it's fine. Uh, Zach, did you watch this, the watch trailer then? I did, several times. Okay. Yeah. Any, what are your thoughts on that then? Uh, I liked it. Um, there, it's got the action element that we saw in Discovery Season 1, uh, but the character interaction seemed interesting. Um... Uh, we saw more of Pike, which was cool. Uh, I think he's going to be good in that role. Uh, but honestly, my favorite part of this trailer is uh, at the end where um, I think it might have even been Pike asks Spock, like, are you smiling? Was, yeah. Yeah. And and that was a cool nod to the original pilot where before Spock's character had been developed, like, he was smiling. And it almost seems like they're kind of intentionally uh, making that reference to the cage. Yeah, there's one one of the things with Discovery that might be a problem for some people is there are some real deep cuts yeah. Of Star Trek references in Discovery. Yeah. Uh, even some things that are accidentally canon, mm-hmm. like Spock smiling in the cage, yeah. which, you know, only became canon because of the menagerie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? um, and yeah, Spock more or less laughs in um, in the cage. Yeah. You know? Um, a little unnerving. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Spock has changed a lot over the years, and... You know, he's got the beard, so people are saying it's Mirror Spock. I don't think they're going to touch the Mirror Universe again in this yeah. season. Yeah, you know, after spending most I of really last season dealing with it. I don't. That's... It'd be I too mean, much of a crutch yeah. at this point. 
I agree. I mean, sure, we'll have Giorgio, the mirror Giorgio, but she's not doing mirror things anymore. She's now yeah. in Section 31, which is cool. We got Perfect to... fit for her in the prime timeline. Yes. Uh, we got to see the, the black badge that we saw earlier in the show at the very beginning of Discovery. And yeah. people made assumptions that it yeah. was a Section 31 badge. Those were good guesses. Um, well, and also like the way the crew interacted in those first few episodes. This show definitely took a little bit of time, as they all do, to kind of find its footing. And, and everything seemed kind of off. Even... Um, Gosh, his name escapes me now. The Doctor. Colbert? Yeah. Yeah, uh, even his character seemed like just kind of douchey in the first couple episodes. I didn't like him at all. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters now, but he just seemed kind of rude. You mean Steinmetz? Yes. Okay. Because Colbert yeah. and I had never got yeah, Steinmetz. You're right. Steinmetz. Yeah. Steinmetz. Yeah. Steinmetz. Steinmetz. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he just seemed very around. cold yeah. and, yeah, abrasive. Uh, but then, like, now he's one of my favorite parts of the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say Discovery found its footing, I think, faster than... Maybe any of the any of the other Star Trek right. shows, except like the original series, three or four episodes as opposed to twenty six episodes of <laughs> the entire season. But that's the benefit of you know having a solid story arc, working with multiple writers towards mm-hmm. one goal, instead of each writer has their own different episode that they have to fill yes. a spot. You know, it's the For benefit sure. of shorter seasons and working together as a team instead of well, this writer has to turn in this episode by this date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is how serialized television used to work and how a lot of television kind of still does. I mean, we yeah. still see that in a lot of the sitcoms like Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a really good point. Um, oh, a small side note is uh, I, I believe the season got extended by a single episode. Oh, okay. Uh, not too like last year, but yeah. a, sing- a single episode. Do you remember. think it's soon enough to where they can end reasonably because that last episode of discovery felt tacked on it did i don't know i mean this one this season is a little different because there's no mid-season break this time right they're going straight through so i would imagine they had something specific they wanted to accomplish yeah um maybe they wanted to change something because they know they're getting a third season or Mm -hmm. they wanted to tie it into the Lower Decks cartoon or something like that. Because we still don't know wh- when Lower Decks takes place. Yeah. Right? And so if it takes place during this time period, maybe they wanted to do some kind of tie-in. I really hope not. I hope not on that front, yeah. I mean, I, I mean it could be anything, though. It could just be introducing yeah. the ship that the show takes place on. Right. You know what I mean? But they wouldn't have to They wouldn't have to do that in an entire episode, either. No, 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 no. So. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we'll see. It, it could be tacked on, though. It could feel tacked on again because mm-hmm. it's they're trying to set up season three. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, well, that's that. Uh, We'll switch over to our Twitter polls. So we normally, we've been doing these kind of like, how would you grade polls on Twitter? We did them for the TNG movies and Galaxy Quest, and we've been doing them for the short treks. Uh, Because we recorded episodes one and two of short treks, Runaway and Calypso, back to back, we didn't get to talk about the results of our Twitter poll for Calypso. So I wanted to talk about those real quick. So we got those in, um, 67% of people gave it an A, with 26% giving it a B. Which means seven percent gave it a, gave it a combined C or lower. So people really liked it mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, where would you guys have placed it from a letter ranking Calypso? perspective? Yes. Oh, we we talked think, about that. We did. Yeah. did we give it a letter grade? Okay. Did, yeah. I think I gave it like an A minus. Okay. I, I gave it a B. Okay. Just because it was solid and it was amazing, but it was uh, it, my only real complaint with it is that it could have been anything. It didn't have to be Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was it was really good. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Uh, we do have the results for tonight's episode that we're talking about, which is the Brightest Star episode three, but we will talk about those results at the end of our review. Um, so we'll go ahead. I'm just going to take a short break here. We'll come back and we will talk about the Brightest Star. Hello, listeners. John here from Gamer Heroes Podcast. No, not that John. A new, improved John. Join all new hosts every Wednesday for discussion on all the latest games and gaming news. Hit us up to get the hottest takes, freshest memes, and deep, overly personal discussion on video games, though we reserve the right to also discuss board games, Dungeons and Dragons, music, art, society, and anything else that pops into our noggins. Level up your gaming podcast from silver to diamond with Gamer Heroes. See you on Wednesday. John out. All right, and we are back. So let's talk about Short Treks Episode 3, The Brightest Star. This is, of course, part of the CBS All Access series, Short Treks. If you have not seen any of the Short Treks yet, this is your spoiler warning. Um, we may reference the first two episodes. I'm not sure if we will or not, but we will definitely be referencing The Brightest Star. So uh, please uh, keep that in mind. So... This episode uh, clocks in at the shortest of the three so mm -hmm. far, 15 minutes and two seconds. It, of course, stars Doug Jones. Ray, let's start with you and your thoughts. Okay. I am underwhelmed. It was a little uninteresting. I've seen so much science fiction of primitive societies sacrificing uh, their fellow peers to some unknown god or object or thing because they believe it keeps them happy and it keeps them safe otherwise and like I I just identified with Saru. Of course, I'd want to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> like, I I don't think I could be born into any society. I'm like, yeah, that's reasonable. Let's just get rid of everybody. That's, that's smart. So, I think it's because it was... It's very tropey. It's road we've already tread down many times in many franchises. So... I was just hoping this was going to be something new, something different, seeing the Kelpians for the first time, seeing so many of them together. Um, the impressive parts, obviously the makeup, the fact that, you know, it, it amazes me how they put little details into the molds to make the Kelpians look different from each other, like, like humans would when, you know, just... 20, 30 years ago, we see the first Ferengi and they all look almost identical. Like they're wearing the exact same prosthetics. They didn't have the individual molds or something like that. So um, not saying that was the case. I'm saying that they just looked really, really similar. And here each Kelpian had its own diversifying marks. And I, I really loved that. And then his planet was beautiful. It was really pretty. Mm -hmm. But that, that was kind of my thoughts. Like, it's my least favorite of the three so far. Yeah, that's fair. I um, It is definitely tropey as far as science fiction is concerned. It's kind of new ground for Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they when we you know, are introduced to Saru and we find out all about him in Discovery, 
you know, we learn that he's this prey species on his home planet. And the picture I got of that when it was originally explained was that like they shared the planet with this predator species and were just like hunted. That's kind of what I thought too. Um, I now, was expecting a green Martian, white Martian situation. And, <laughs> from DC. Yeah, yeah. And instead we got black face on the left. Uh, white face on the right. <laughs> we got switched. like right. We got Logan's run. <laughs> like that's oh, what we got. Oh, you stole my thing. Oh. I was gonna say. I that. said it first. <laughs> you got to say your thing. <laughs> um, no, so I I thought it was at least interesting. It, it was unexpected that this was the route that they were gonna take because I, in my head I had had it being a little bit more of an intense predator prey scenario yeah like like the erosion we're going after the the kelpian or something um so yeah to basically see that the kelpians get to renew um during the harvest was going to be my joke um (laughs) was was kind of it caught me off guard i'm not sure in a bad way it was just more of um you know it was more uh sedated i guess than what i had in my head um, and it made it seem, it, it, it made it, it made more sense as to why, why Saru is on the Shenzhou and then the discovery because his species didn't enter the universe, enter the galaxy with all the other spacefaring species. And he didn't apply to Starfleet, you know, kind of thing. That's not what happened, which is what the show kind of alluded to in, in the first season of discovery was you know kind of a nog situation where he's just the first of his species to enter starfleet no mm-hmm. it's not yeah. like that um so i kind of i kind of like that it wasn't what i expected mm-hmm. um yeah i mean from an intensity perspective it's certainly the least intense of the three episodes you know mm-hmm. both runaway and calypso have some pretty stressful intense moments and um feel a little heavier i guess because in this case you know we know what happens to Saru, so we know that he's going to get away from that place, and that nobody else seems to really care. So it's too—it's kind of hard to feel too bad for the people left behind because they seem content with themselves. And yeah, because of the way that it's arranged, you know, it is like Logan's Run, where like they're not living in fear, mm-hmm. you know, they're not living in terror. This is just part of their existence, and it lets them have these relatively peaceful lives as long as they follow the rules, mm-hmm. right? So. I don't know. I guess those are kind of my thoughts. Zach? Yeah. Um, I agree with both of you. It was not uh, super original. However, uh, for sci-fi in general, uh, I do like that it was different than I expected. Uh, visually, it was very beautiful. Uh, and, I don't know, my favorite parts about this were the, were the character aspects. I liked um, getting that context for Saru. And uh, I'm, it made me excited for my pre-season two rewatch of season one <laughs> because um, this adds some context to some of the strain between Saru and Michael's relationship early on. Like, of course, Saru's pissed. Like, this is the woman. And we knew, I think we might have known this, but but seeing it makes a difference. And, and now we've seen that this was the woman that, that came and, like, liberated him from this planet. Um, and, and so to... Um, you know that, that that it's a loss that he grieves, and now like, we have a little bit more credence or or background as to why it was such a profound loss for him, uh, which was really cool. Well, and we get to know—I mean, just how long 
Suru and Giorgio have known each other because mm-hmm. you know when the shuttle lands and you see it's SHN, I'm like, oh, it's just Senzao, so Giorgio's gonna show up. But I wasn't thinking about the timeline, mm-hmm. so I just assumed she'd be captain at yeah. this point, right? Because you get the idea that at the beginning of Discovery, she's been captain for a little while. Yeah, uh, she's not new at this. Um, but no, she's just a lieutenant. Yeah, so she moves up as a, from a lieutenant all the way up to captain in the time that Saru knows her. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, long friendship. Um. Yeah, she's got to go up basically three levels right, to get right. to captain. Right. Um, and, you know. And if she follows Harry Kim's trajectory, <laughs> that may take a long time. But even, you know, if you look at, like, the Enterprise, uh-huh. you know, Worf gets two promotions over the course of ten years, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is the early Federation. Maybe they were handing out promotions willy-nilly. <laughs> Just willy-nilly. They didn't have as many people, so they had to promote them. <laughs> um but it was kind of cool to see Giorgio. It was nice to see, mm-hmm. you know, Prime Captain Giorgio again instead of Empress yeah. Emperor Giorgio. Yeah. Uh, Emperor Giorgio. Um, well, and it's also cool, too, because, like, you see, you know, we know where Saru goes. We know he's eventually briefly captain, acting captain. And so to, to see him go from, uh, you know, living in fear kind of on this planet um, to to that, you know. That was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Ray? I mean, not really. <laughs> like, that's just it. Like, I didn't feel like much happened in this. We see the Kelpians just in fields constantly. Mm-hmm. Not doing much. They're not gathering anything. They're not collecting food. Like, what are you doing? There's the guy collecting the seaweed. Okay, so one dude is doing <laughs> one job. And everybody else, like, his dad's gambling. Like, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> like, well, I think that's the point, though, right? Is that, like, they don't really have needs and wants because this balance has been found. So all their needs are basically met. They have some chores that need to be accomplished just because they're living. Yeah. Right? And then other than that, they get to live in peace except for when you're called upon for the harvest. I think that was part of it. It was to show that they're, they're more, like, docile, like, domesticated cows mm-hmm. than they are really prey in the in the traditional sense of the term. Yeah. Right? In what world does that make for interesting storytelling? It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. That, that's why Saru is so unique, and that's why if this story wasn't about Saru, then there's no story. Exactly. Right. Because I mean, he's unique among like, people. You look at any other works of fantasy, fiction, the cow is rarely the main character. <laughs> like, every once in a while you have a cow side character. There was cow and chicken. Mm-hmm. But chicken, too. Like, they had two. (laughs) No, you're you're totally right. I mean, if anything, all this did was make me just want to see what happens next. I feel like that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, because they're going to go back. Because you get you would get an opportunity. This would be I think what's next would be great for new Trekkies because it would be an opportunity for you to see Starfleet through the eyes of a newcomer too. Mm-hmm. Right? And he'd be experiencing not just space travel for the first time, but warp drive and transporter technology and replicators, you know, yeah. and holographic technology, all of it, right? I imagine he would have to be shipped off to Academy, Starfleet yes. Academy at some point. Yeah. You know, unless for some reason, he gets to do the Wesley Crusher thing and stay on the Shenzhou. Wesley Crusher slash... I mean, I guess... The, well, yeah. Well, at this point, like, how developed was Starfleet? Cause, Pretty developed. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Starfleet had been around about a century at this point. Okay. So... That's fair. Yeah. So it's it's definitely been around. Um, no, I 
I figured that because of Enterprise. I get that. I just didn't know at what point the Academy came in. Oh, like, well, that's a good question. I guess I don't remember when the Academy started. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't either. I assume fairly early on during mm-hmm. Starfleet's existence. Because, I mean, Starfleet's been around um, since before Enterprise. It's the Federation right. that comes around later, right? So, so like, I, my understanding on how it formed, it was, you know militaries and space from all over the globe kind of coming together to form Starfleets? Uh, more or less. Yeah. yeah, the unified governments of, uh, of Earth. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm taking a quick look on, on Memory Alpha. So, uh... Just, that leads me to believe that the Academy came second. Starfleet came first. Starfleet Academy came second. So at what point did Starfleet Academy start being a thing? Because, you know, it's likely that in 100 years it would have been a thing. But I don't recall, and I'm the fuzziest on Enterprise, but like, did any of those people go to Starfleet Academy? Or were they just previous military... No, it's, it's a good question. So sure. basically, so we, we know that Starfleet started sometime in the 2130s. Um, and then, so the Academy is believed to have started sometime in the 2140s. Okay. In the 2140s. So 10 years later, give or take. So theoretically, you know, that it, it was around by Discovery's time. Uh, but and the, that makes sense but, because yeah. Kirk went to the Academy. Right. And yeah, yeah. so... That makes sense. I just didn't know, especially, you know, putting a brand new race in yeah. to your school. That seems a little, a little sketchy, but whatever. I'm not the boss. <laughs> what's, oh yeah, I'm curious, what's sketchy about it? People's just ignorance and bigotry. Mm. Gotcha. You know, just because Starfleet stands for unification and acceptance doesn't mean everybody who belongs in there is over all that. No, like, you're right. We we saw the Kelpians be eaten last season. So I'm not saying it's going that far. I'm saying like <laughs> no. there could be the pushed into lockers thing way before eating somebody. Well, but... sure. And I mean, there's bullying. You gotta wrap them up before but... you cook them. <laughs> there, I'm Tenderized. sure bullying happens because it's a human being thing, you know. But the Federation by this point already, you know, had. Dozens upon dozens of species involved, you know, maybe right. even into the hundreds by this point, I imagine, um, if memory serves. So the Kelpians would by far not be the most unique species that no. would attend Starfleet Academy. So, but, uh, but yeah, so if anything, this made me kind of want to see what was next. Yeah. See what mm-hmm. the next steps were for Saru and what that experience would have been like for him overall in the episode you're right there's not a whole lot that happens yeah um it's the shortest by only but by less than a minute and significantly less happens in this one mm-hmm. i liked saru's narration but mm-hmm. then again it's still very tropey it's it's made genuine by doug jones portrayal mm-hmm. he's still easily one of the best actors they've ever had on the show and maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe maybe I feel like it's a little bit better because Doug Jones is just fantastic in it and Saru is a cool character on Discovery. Right. You know, and so I just want to know more about him. Mm-hmm. If that's fair. His closing line's pretty awesome too. Yeah. Very, very trick. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, 
So yeah, so it's pretty cool. I it takes a lot of guts to do what he did, you know, and intelligence to be able to use this alien technology that he doesn't really know how to use. And well, even Giorgio says that he uses it for a secondary reason than what it was created for. He uses it as a beacon mm-hmm. instead of what it was created for. So that's pretty clever too. He's yeah. able to figure it out and use it for completely different purpose. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does make me question what Starfleet is doing with this this interaction here because, you know, I would imagine that the, um, the other species, the the predator species, uh, they, there's no way they're members of Starfleet. No. Or, feder- or the Federation, I mean. Right, right. Right, because the Federation's not going to allow what's essentially a slave sub- subspecies. Mm-hmm. you know um so i'm curious i'd like to learn more about that right like that's yeah. the thing like all this did yeah. was raise questions about stuff that we're probably not going to get to see answered because it's yeah. not gonna show up on the primary discovery show much mm-hmm. um so that's kind of where i sit on that i think do they go back to his planet this season is that have they alluded to that at all I'm not sure. I, I know Giorgio says that you're never going back but i thought i, I don't know they, they spent a lot of work just like making the sets for this to be ashamed to not uh, explore that well that's an interesting point since the first two just take place on the discovery using sets that already exist right, right. the bridge the mess hall the transporter room and the quarters mm-hmm. that's all we and the med bay that's all that we really got to see in the first two yeah um so this one yeah you're right they had to build sets and structures and things like that so maybe we will um that's a that's a good catch i wouldn't be surprised if we do see that yeah Anytime something in any work of fiction says this is never going to happen, you know, two chapters later, that shit happened. <laughs> well, and I thought I read somewhere that there was going to be a follow up, but I don't remember now. That's fair. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying not to like read too much into season two. I'll watch the trailers and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, no, no. What are you guys hoping for out of season two? Because all I want to just see is some fucking Andorians already. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got the one in season one, right? No. No. What do you like, mean no? There's like a, there's an Andorian in season one. In like the background. I want like speaking lines. I want <laughs> a member on the ship. Like, come on, man. I want Shran. <laughs> well, you're not going to get Shran, unfortunately. No. Um, Jeffrey Combs, come back. Uh, we miss you. No, I, uh, I'm a little nervous about season two simply because I just don't want them to lean too much on Spock. Yeah, I think introducing Pike is super freaking cool. Yeah, I'd rather mm-hmm. them lean on Pike since he's the new captain of Discovery, the yeah. the interim captain. Like, lean on him. I mean, the only I hope character Spock sparingly. Like, I hope like yeah. they have excuses to keep him out of certain episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trick is the only character who's been covered more than Spock is Worf. Because Worf got two shows. Yeah, right. It's true. So, like, I just want to see other characters, and Pike is a guy that mm-hmm. had one and a half episodes of content if yeah. you include the menageries you know present quote present day stuff right and so, Ansem Mount makes them look really good oh yeah, yeah perfect casting that's a great yeah. casting decision and I so I just kind of want to see like you know number one does she get an actual name in canon for the first time right um you know I just w- I want to see these characters that could have been mm-hmm. I think is really interesting and I I don't know I'm fearful of toxic fandom because fans are why we can't have nice things and i'm concerned yes. that with spock being in this show that there was a there was a fairly vocal subset of trek fandom at you know during season one that was talking about how much you know this isn't my trek this isn't you know the real trek or the real show or whatever and just you know entitled obnoxious bullshit and, <laughs> and, and and i'm worried that we will see more of that like oh this isn't the spock that i know 
like just I don't know close-minded narrow-minded untrek like bullshit and I'm afraid of that and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid like for this this actor like he seems like he's gonna do a good job I mean but who knows if he's gonna get bullied off of Instagram like you know Kelly Tran and Star Wars yeah and this is nothing personal you yeah know? Um, it, it's just the fact that I just want to see the other characters oh yeah I, no absolutely I agree um, with you there and but, it could completely flip like last time it was like Oh, this is ten years before. Why don't we see these other characters? Why aren't you following like young Spock and young Kirk? And right. this time around, it's like, but we already love these characters that you just set up. Why are you bringing these guys in? Yeah. So you can't win either way. You can't. And I mean, the reality is, the people who are claiming that this isn't the real Spock are the same people who are ignoring how different Spock in season one of TOS is, and uh-huh. how Spock in like say the undiscovered country. Yes, yeah. right. Like they're completely different people, or how he is in the 2009 movie, you right? Know? Or how he is in Unification on TNG. Is it because like, you're allowed to grow as a character? Is that a thing? Can you do that? Right. See, that's and again, getting a little off topic, but that's what pisses me off about all the people who want to hate on Solo, and they're like, "Well, that's not Han Solo. He's just a like a naive kid." I'm like, "That's the fucking point." <laughs> like we get, like we know who he becomes. Seeing the events that shape him into becoming that are far more interesting. And I hope that you know we get some of that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people need to remember. Growth is important, but people expect, expect uh, consistency and lack of change. Were you guys stagnancy. the same person ten years ago? No, thank God. Um, I mean, I had more hair. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both. You In and me both. Some places, That's I rude. feel like. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, yeah, this this takes place ten years before the original series. Now, yeah, uh, that he doesn't even know Kirk yet. Right, yeah. that friendship that's you know supposedly the cornerstone of Star Trek fandom hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, yeah. These are this is a different Spock. He gets to be a little different, and, and that's good. It's know, exciting. Maybe this is what changes him. Maybe this event that happens here in season two is what pushes him to be more following of the Vulcan traditions. Yeah. Right? Oh, I love that he's a little rebellious teenager. Yeah. Like, that would be hilarious. I mean, it falls in line with what a Vulcan would want to do. Vol- like, even young Tuvok wasn't super jazzed about purging emotion, you know? Yeah. Um, because they still have that. That's still a part of them. People forget that because mm-hmm. Spock in the original series was a little more rigid. Mm, he was more attached you know? from that. Right. And that changed over time, too. So... You know, I'm I'm curious. I'm optimistic. I just I hope that we get to see some of these other characters shine. Yeah, that's all. I hope that I hope that well, number one doesn't show up in like the one or two scenes, and that's all we get to see of her. I want to mm-hmm. see more. You know, why cast Rebecca Romaine if it's only going to be that short? Like that's I, fair. I mean, you could cast anybody. Then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. You know, maybe we'll get to see her, like, with Pike in command of the Discovery and she's commanding the Enterprise, you know, during a mission or something like that. That'd be cool. You know? Now you're talking. She'd yeah. have to have a name, though, at that point. She's got to at some point, someone's going to have to say her name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's give our grades here on the brightest star, A letter grade type mm-hmm. scenario. I like a C. Okay. It was pretty, but, you know... Looks aren't everything. <laughs> Zach? Ouch. Um, I I would definitely give it a B again. Um, it's interesting. So, like, you know, last week, uh, last week's episode, it was, I gave it a B because it was fantastic sci-fi, but it could have been anything other than Star Trek. Uh, this one, I'm giving it a B, uh, being a little bit more generous maybe than it deserves because not much happens, but because I just, I love Saru and, and seeing that background. Um, 
it, it, it checked the boxes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B as well. Um, and it's because Saru is one of the most interesting characters Star Trek has created for us. Mm-hmm. And I want to learn as much as I can about him and his species. Yeah. And this just makes me want to know more. And I guess the best thing a episode of serialized television can do is leave me wanting more. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so maybe that's the goal. Maybe that was the point. Maybe they are going to go back mm-hmm. and we're going to get a bunch of these questions answered and learn learn more and this was the seed to make us interested. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Our poll turned out uh, 58% gave it an A with 38% giving it a B, 4% giving it a C, and nothing lower. So this one was, you know, people liked it. I think it, I think it, like you were kind of saying, Zach, it checks a lot of Star Trek boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's thoughtful, it's pretty, it's philosophical in nature. It has to yeah. do with self, like, you know, intro- introspection and, you know, self-realization. And I think that that's what a lot of Trekkies are looking for. Yeah. You know, not always, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but that is kind of where Star Trek's roots are founded. So Yeah, Absolutely. Any final thoughts on The Brightest Star, then, before we talk a bit about going into 2019? Nope. Okay. I got nothing. So, for 2019, here's the deal. We've got one episode of Short Treks left. It uh, premieres in early January. We are going to review that one. That will be our next episode. So, what that means is is we're going to take a couple of weeks off for the holidays. So, we will be back uh, on uh, January 11th will be our next uh january 10th excuse me will be our next episode now those of you who are looking at the calendar might wonder well that's a thursday we are moving to thursday releases discovery season two is a thursday release show not sunday so in order to kind of keep us up with the episodes we're now going to release on thursdays which gives you a full week to watch the episode before we'll review it and you can listen to our review before watching that week's new episode so we will be switching to Discovery Reviews right after finishing up uh, Short Treks with The Escape Artist, which is the Harry Mud episode. And if you are a listener of our other podcast, one of the other podcast Screen Heroes, we are moving to Friday. Yes. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of a shuffle here on the Heroes Podcast Network. We've got a new show that's premiering, um, you know, that'll be really exciting as well. So, um, you know, check all that good out. Uh, as far as my co-hosting cast, uh, I believe uh, Zach and Ray will join me to finish Short Tracks. And then as far as Discovery is concerned, uh, we will have to figure that one all out together. You will have some combination of Greg, Jeremy, Zach, or I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to work that out. We're working out some scheduling, seeing who's available and all that type of stuff. Um, Hopefully, Greg will be able to return with us to do Season 2 of Discovery. I know he's looking forward to it, but we will make it so in 2019. We will be back. Uh, Enjoy the holidays, whatever ones you do or do not celebrate. Happy New Year. Um, And we will be back in 2019. Don't forget to follow us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter, Heroes Podcasts on Facebook. We're also at heroespodcast.com. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, or anywhere else that you can drop an RSS feed or look up our podcast. Uh, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. If you leave us a review, we will give you a shout out on a future episode, regardless of what that review is. 
if it's completely inappropriate for some reason, we may not say what it was, but we will definitely give you a shout out. So please do that. It helps people find the shows. Zach, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Avengers ES. Ray? I am at Siren Ray on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow me. And I am the Star Trek Dude on Twitter and Facebook as well as Instagram. You can also find Ray and myself on Screen Heroes here on the Heroes Podcast Network. And Ray will also be co-hosting our new show that launches in January. So that will be really exciting. So check out that. We will catch you guys next year. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's the end then. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and is executive produced by me, Derek Mayer. Our music is by Flying Killer Robots. Please consider following us on social media at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, or Patreon. You can also go to heroespodcast.com to find all of the episodes for Red Shirts and Runabouts as well as the other shows on the Heroes Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, or anywhere that you want to drop our RSS feed. If you drop us a review on iTunes, we'll be sure to give you a shout-out on a future episode. Thanks for tuning in. Live long and prosper. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.